0: 10. We'll sing, Blessed Be the Name, sing all three verses there, hymn number 110.
1: Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, blessed be the name of the Lord, the glories of my God and King, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the Name, Blessed be the Name, Blessed be the Name of the Lord, Blessed be the Name, Blessed be the Name, Blessed be the Name of the Lord. Jesus, the name that charms our fears, Blessed be the Name of the Lord. His music in the sinner's ear. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He breaks the power of canceled sin. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blood can make the foulest clean. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord.
2: Amen. That's a wonderful start.
1: Come on, Pastor. Praise the Lord. Well,
2: it's good to be in the Lord's house. Amen. And sure trust you had a uh, happy uh, Thanksgiving and maybe some time uh, with family and, and things like that. I know that we did and we ate way too much and so we'll probably stop eating so much, maybe. Amen. But uh, sure thankful that you're here uh, this morning. Uh, As you can tell, uh, we are kind of down a little bit. Uh, If you haven't heard, we probably got about eight or ten families out uh, with the flu and and things like that. And so I appreciate Brother uh, Tim Quinlan jumping in. And leading uh, the music uh, this morning, and so uh, filling in for Brother uh, Eric Watson, him and his family are sick, and several uh, others, and so uh, tonight, just wanted to mention we 're going to carry on with things uh, regular people have jumped in and and uh, helped out uh, where it 's needed, but tonight, I just wanted to mention uh, our Bible study time at six o'clock we 're going to go ahead and cancel uh, that with so many families that are sick, but we are going to have services uh, tonight. At 630, Brother Jack Parker, our youth director and our missionary to Japan, he's going to be preaching. And then, uh, Lord willing, have a baptism, amen, Uh, following the service uh, tonight. So excited uh, about that. But looking forward to the day today and what God has for us. And I know we're finishing up the month of November. And going into uh, December next Sunday, missionary Kirk King, and his uh, he will be here with us, missionary to uh, Albania. And so excited to have uh, him. And, and then, of course, uh, the things that are going to go on through the month of December. But let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, this morning. Ask God's blessing on our services. I'm going to ask uh, Brother Ben Quinlan, pastor there, Bible Baptist in, in Glenwood, uh, Iowa, if you'd pray for us, brother.
0: Amen. All right, take your hymnal and turn to hymn number 419. We'll sing all four verses of hymn number 419, The Solid Rock. On that first verse says, My hope is built on nothing less.
1: My hope is built on nothing less Than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame But wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness seems to hide His face, I rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy vale. My anchor holds within the veil On Christ the solid rock I stand All other ground is sinking sand All other ground is sinking sand His oath, His covenant, His blood Support me in the whelming flood When all around my soul gives way He then is all my hope and stay On Christ the solid rock I stand All other ground is sinking sand All other ground is sinking sand When He shall come with trumpet sound Oh may I then enjoy In his righteousness alone Faultless to stand before the throne On Christ the solid rock I stand All other ground sinking sand All other ground is sinking sand
0: Man Number 159. Hymn number 159. Lamb of Glory Sing both verses there. Hear the story from God's word, number 159.
1: Hear the story from God's
0: stuff around here. As the men come for the offering, I'd like to read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. He says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. In fact, we'll see that these great trials of affliction were the norm among first century churches. We're going to see that Wednesday night. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Brother Matt Whitney, would you pray for the offering this morning? For our last song number 323 hymn number 323 the old account was settled we'll sing all five verses there <clears throat> there was a time on earth
1: there was a time on earth when in the book of heaven an old account was standing for sins yet unforgive my name was at the top and many things below unlieving. <clears throat> And settled long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago. And the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away. When the old account was settled long ago. The old account was large and growing every day. For I was always sinning and never tried to pay. But when I looked ahead and saw such pain and woe, I said that I would settle and settle long ago, <clears throat> long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago. And the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away, when the old account was settled long ago. And he the book will open, he cannot find a thing. Then will my heart be glad, while tears of joy will flow. Because I had it settled, and settled long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago, and the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away when the old account was settled long ago. When in that happy home, my Savior's home above, I'll sing redemption story and praise him for his love. I'll not forget that book with pages white as snow, because I came and settled, and settled long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago, and the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away when the old account was settled long ago. O sinner, seek the Lord, repent of all your sin. For thus he has commanded, if you would enter in. And then if you should live a hundred years below, up there you'll not regret it. You settled long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago, and the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away, when the old account was settled long ago. Amen. Amen. You may be seated at this time. My wife and I will be singing a special. Filled with thankfulness To him who bore my pain Who plumbed the depths of my disgrace And gave me life again Who crushed my curse of sinfulness And clothed me with his light And wrote his law of righteousness With power upon my heart My heart is filled with thankfulness to him who walks beside, who floods my weaknesses with strength and causes fear to fly, whose every promise is enough for every step I take, sustaining me with arms of love and crowning me with grace. My heart is filled with. Who reigns above Whose wisdom is my perfect peace Whose every thought is love For every day I have you on earth Is given by the King So I will give my life my own to love and follow him.
2: song very, very much. You will never regret serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I can tell you that. And I appreciate two people that are a great example of the song that they sung. Amen. And uh, Brother Tim just jumping in there uh, and uh, filling in where he can. And uh, with all the chaos, I'm telling you, my phone was going off yesterday and this morning. And I looked at Natalie and I said, it may just be our family there at church. Amen. And but you showed up too. Amen. And so glad for that. Amen. Uh, but I was telling myself where two or three are gathered together in his name. There he is right in the midst of them. Amen. But hey, listen, we got a little more than two or three, but I I'm telling you, I'd rather have God here. Amen. And, uh, rather, rather uh, make sure that he's here uh, with us and sure. Thankful, thankful that you're here. Thankful that he's here. And it's good to be in the Lord's house uh, this morning. Well, it's all stand in honor of God's word. If you're able to stand and and I realize it's the day or the weekend after Thanksgiving and things like that, and I guess we could probably preach on that or Christmas or whatever, uh, but I just like getting into a book and preaching in it and uh, diving right into it, and we're that's exactly what we're going to do this morning. We're going to continue on with our study in the book of Romans this morning, in Romans in chapter 6. I guess we could preach on what do you do when 10 families are sick in the church. I don't know, but Romans in chapter number 6. Amen. And we're just going to go right into the next passage. But I do believe this, it's where the Lord would have us to be. And, I, and I'm telling you, the song this morning spoke exactly to that, uh, exactly to what we're going to look at uh, this morning. So Romans in chapter uh, number 6. All right. And, and let's begin reading here in verse uh, number 15. And I know we're... We're kind of diving right into this. It's been a couple of weeks since we've been uh, in this. But if you remember, all right, in the very first part of this chapter, we asked the question, are you living under sin or under Christ? And really, the reason that I bring that up is because now we're going to see the second half of this. And, and we're going to go back and look at this. But the very first part of this dealt with the fallacy Alright, that more sin leads to more grace. More sin doesn't lead to more grace. Alright? And and so now we're going to pick up with really what I would say is this the fallacy that grace, that grace, the grace of God, it gives us a, a license, if you will, to do whatever we want to do. That's not true. That's just simply not true. Look at what he says in verse 15. He says, What then shall we sin? Because we are not under the law but under grace. And so, you know, now, now I'm under grace. And so I can do what, whatever I want to do. Well, here's the answer to that. God forbid. Okay? Because that's not the intention of God's grace. But here's the other thing. And I want you to watch this. He says, He says, Know ye not, all right, that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, His servants ye are to whom ye obey." Whether, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Okay, now, now let's keep going because he says, But God bethink that, that ye were the servants of sin, but, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men, because of the infirmity of your flesh... For as ye have yielded your your members servants uh, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members uh, servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were servants from, of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But but now, being made free from sin and become servants to God. You have your fruit unto holiness in the end, everlasting life. So here's what he concludes. Here's what he says. For the wages of sin is death. You you catch, oh, come on, you catching this? What he's doing is he's giving you the end results of it all. If, If you, if you say, if you listen, I have the grace of God, and so now I can do what I want to do. What Paul is saying is this. No, you need to understand that the end result of sin is death. The end of it all, that it's death. If you're lost, it's death and hell for all eternity. If you're saved, it's spiritual death and broken fellowship with God. It's consequences to live under that. But if you're saved, well, he says this, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that means this, that if you're lost and you come to Christ, you can be saved and receive eternal life. But if you yield to Christ and live under Christ as a child of God, you not only get eternal life, you get abundant life. Amen. And what Paul is saying is this, what he's saying now is this, you, you got to understand something, that, that, that grace, the grace of God, is not given unto you as some license for you to use and live wickedly and like the devil and like the world. No, my friend, it is given to you to give you a new life and to escape the consequences of where you were going which is sin and hell, and to give you eternal life and an abundant life in Jesus Christ. So here's what I would say to you. Number one, make sure you've been saved this morning. And if not, boy, today would be a great day to be saved. Amen. Right after Thanksgiving, right before Christmas, now you know what Christmas is all about. It's not about Santa and presents. It's about Jesus Christ. Amen. But if you are saved, you, you, you need to go all in for Him. Just like the song was sung this morning, to live unto Him. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Father, would you bless the preaching now? And I ask it in Jesus' name, Amen. Won't you be seated this morning? Sure, appreciate you standing in honor of God's word. I got a lot of turkey. I got to preach out this morning, Amen. So <clears throat> I I keep thinking everything is about ten years ago, but it was probably more uh, like about twelve years ago. And it's amazing how time just flies. The older uh, that you get, but I, I can remember I was there. Uh, we were living in, in Cassville, Missouri at the time, and uh, I had a sinus uh, cold, a sinus infection, and so I went I went to the doctor, and I'm sitting there, and the doctor, you know, they, they have you in the one waiting room, then they move you in another room to wait longer, right? Uh, and I can remember, I was sitting in there, and then finally the nurse came in, and and uh, they weigh you, and, and they do all their evaluations of you, and I remember she rolled up my... My sleeve, and she put her, put that uh, blood pressure thing on there, and then put her uh, stethoscope on there, and, and she's reading my blood pressure, and she gets done, and, and she just kind of has this weird look on her face, and she goes over and she writes it down, and she goes, You know what? I'm going to do that again. And she puts it back on there, and she takes it, and she nods her head, and says, Yep, it's right. And she said, Mr. Stewart, do you, do you realize that, that your blood pressure is, is high? And I was like, no, I had no idea, and she's like, "Do you know why?" And I said, "Well, I can tell you this: I don't like being in the doctor's office." And uh, anyways, it was like it was like 156 over or one fifty six over one twelve, or once I don't know. It was it was just or one ninety six over one twelve, or so I can't remember the exact number. But but anyways, what what had happened was this: is that you know my blood pressure had gone uh, through the roof, and and so. Uh, long story short, I ended up not only with antibiotics for my head cold, but I ended up getting put on blood pressure medicine because my blood pressure was, was so high. And so from that point on, because they had put me on blood pressure medicine, about every six months I had to go in and uh, they would take blood uh, blood from me and they would send it off because they wanted to make sure that the medicine wasn't affecting my liver and my, my kidneys and, and things like that. And so I guess it'd probably been about a year or so, and man, I was I was overweight, and uh, like I'd been having Thanksgiving every weekend, amen, for a while, and and I was overweight, and I I wasn't exercising uh, at all, and I was I was eating everything I- inside, and I I went in, and I. I went and got my blood checked, just just like that, and, and after a couple of days, I was expecting them to call, and they would say, you know, everything's okay, and, and keep going like you're going, and so that night, the nurse called me, and she said, Mr. Stewart, she said, I have your lab, and she said, everything looks okay, but she said, I, I do want to warn you that your blood sugars are really, and your cholesterol, they are both, they are both borderline on on, on going uh, beyond a point. You're, you're, you're borderline crossing over to high cholesterol and getting on cholesterol medicine and then also uh, be, becoming diabetic. And this was the first thing out of my mouth. I said this, do you mean I can't go to Andy's frozen custard anymore? And she said, she said, that's exactly what I'm saying. And then she pauses, she goes, but that place is really good, isn't it? And I, w- I was looking at the phone like, you are not helping me at... What, what, I, what, I, what I'm saying to you is this, I want you to catch this. What she was saying to me was that, was that just because just because I had access to all of this stuff, it didn't mean that I needed to be eating all of it. I mean, I know this is a hard lesson after the weekend we just had. All right, but you need to li- listen, listen to this and I, I needed what, what I needed to do was I needed to consider the long term about About my health and the current choices that that I was making about my living habits—my no exercise and and bad food—and these things were beginning to take a toll on my body. And so, I needed to make some some decisions, maybe even some changes if necessary. Listen, the reason I'm not telling you all this to to talk about Thanksgiving or any of those things. What I'm saying to you is this: I'm trying to illustrate. That this is exactly what the Apostle Paul is doing in our text. But instead of it being about physical health, it's about spiritual health. You understand what I'm saying? He's trying to reason with them. And he's trying to get them to yield and submit themselves fully unto Jesus Christ. And to live for Him in their life. And the way that he's going about that is by trying to get them... To think long term and the and the consequences about the current des, the current spiritual decisions that that they were making all right now let me let me go back just for a moment and just kind of review all of this so that you understand the the context. I want you to go back to Romans in chapter five and look at verse number twenty really quickly. he says moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, and I love this. I love this portion right here. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Well, oh, come on, man, aren't you glad for that? Uh, we sing that song, "Grace, Grace, Marvelous Grace," and what a blessing that is. Now, now, again, this and this is this is a great promise from the scriptures, and we understand that where Paul is dealing, he had talked about Adam and from Adam to Moses, uh, death uh, reigned upon men. And then the law came about, Moses received the law of God. And when the law came on the scene, it began to clearly identify a host of sin that was in the lives of men. Come on, I'm just telling you, we could go there now and and deal with all of those things. But what Paul is saying is this, he's saying that where sin abounded because of the law, grace did much more abound. Now, you and I would understand, oh, come on, that the correct thinking of that would be this, that no matter what you've done or where you're at or the sin that's in your life, the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse you of that. Amen. Come on, he's going to sum it up in Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord uh, shall be saved. What, what a blessing that is. That, that's encouraging to me because I don't know about you, but when I got saved at the age of 20, sin was abounding in my life. But but praise God, that the grace of God stepped in and I got saved. And, and I'm just telling you, you might be here this morning and thinking, well, listen, you don't understand what I've done and the things in my life and that I cannot be saved. And what I would say to you is that you don't understand the grace of God that's available to you. Amen. In fact, a perfect example would be the, the writer that, uh, of the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul, who the Spirit of God, who's ultimately the author, is using to pen this down. Here was a man that persecuted the church and had people thrown in jail and put to death. But yet God saved him. And I'm just telling you, if God can save him, God can save you and me. Where sin abounded, grace does much more abound. Oh, come on. Let the turkey out this morning and say amen. You understand what I'm saying? And, and, but, but see, here's what we would say. That's the correct thinking and understanding of that verse. But look down at Romans chapter 6 in verse number 1, because here's what Paul begins to deal with. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And, 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 And so what he does here is he brings out what I would call some stinking thinking about grace. In other words, what they were saying is this, that since grace abounded where sin abounded, then I'll sin more so that I can get more grace. And I, the obvious answer to that is this. What Paul says in verse number 2, God forbid, because that is obviously the wrong way to, to uh, understand or think about the grace of God. And what happens is from verses 2 all the way down through verse 14, Paul uses their baptism and the gospel of Jesus Christ to show them that their salvation was not meant to be thought of uh, like that. Christ died on the cross for our sin. And where Christ died, our old man, he says, was crucified with him. And then on the third day, Christ rose again. And just like Christ rose again to walk in a, a newness of life, you and I, friend, who've been saved, are to come up out of those baptismal waters and walk in a newness of life. You understand what what he's saying is this, is that you got saved and you got baptized after you got saved. And the purpose of them, friend, was to demonstrate the new life you now have in Jesus Christ. So stop trying to justify living in the old life and walk in the new life that you have in Christ. That's why he saved you. But here's what I want you to grab a hold of. Now grab a hold of this. Please get this where Paul deals with those things to show them that principle and that they need to walk in that new life. See, what now Paul is going to do is where he's looking back at when they got saved, now he's going to look ahead and to show them the consequences of what's going to happen if they continue to live in their sin and continue to refuse to submit themselves to Christ in their life. And what he's doing is he's using that to again reason with them and to show them, friend, that they need to walk with Jesus Christ. Because here's why. You, you understand, more, more, sin, more sin doesn't lead to more grace. It leads to death. It leads, it leads to death. I want you to look at verses 15 through, through 18 there. And, and what I, what, the way that I look at this is, is it's kind of similar to the first half of the chapter. In other words, what Paul does is he gives us some doctrines, some principles that we need to look at, and then really he begins to make a personal application to it in verses 19 all the way down through verse number 23. And so that's kind of the way I broke it up. But I want to spend some time in verses 15 down through 18 and just chew on this doctrine right here and explain some things from this. All right, So let's look at verse number 15. So here's what he says. He says, what then? Okay, shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Now we would say this, this is a follow-up question, isn't it, to what we just looked at in verse number one? That's, what I, that's how I certainly see that, and so it's the idea here that where some thought more grace came with more sin, others viewed, viewed their grace as, as a license to sin, if you will, a, a get-out-of-jail-free card, Right? Um, um, And obviously, the the answer to that question that he poses right here, it's the same as the question that he gave in verse number 1, God forbid. And and you could say, you could say this, that, well, you know, I mean, you look at it and you contrast verse number 1 and verse 15, and maybe verse number 1 deals with the Gentile believers in Rome, and this one deals with the Jewish believers in Rome since he brings up the law. Paul has dealt with both groups, as we've already seen Uh, studying through the book uh, of Romans. And and while that may be true, maybe that was the intention, but but here's the thing, there's still an application to both regardless of Jew or Gentile. Because we all tend to take God's grace and somehow or another we twist it to our advantage and justify where we're at. Isn't that true? And i got to be honest with you. Here's the thing. When, when you look at verse number 1 and verse number 15 and you compare the two, for me at least, okay, for me, verse number 15 speaks more to me than verse number 1. Because I feel like verse number 1, we read verse number 1 and go, okay, so you think that more grace uh, comes with more sin. That's some really bad thinking. And obviously, most of us having now the, the full canon of Scripture, we would go, well, duh, that's not how that works. We would understand those things. But what I'm saying to you is this, is that verse number 15, when he begins to deal with this this grace being a license of sin, well, I'm telling you, that speaks to me. Come on, because, I and I'm just telling you, and I, I don't know you, but I know me. I mean, I know you, but I don't know you like I know me that fair and what i'm saying to you is this is that, is that i know that i have been guilty of being tempted to sin and then i think to myself oh i can go ahead and do that because i know he'll forgive me now i know you never think something like that hopefully you got that sarcasm because the truth of the matter is the same stuff that you got is the same stuff I got. It's called flesh. Is everybody getting this? It's called the old man. The sinful nature. Oh, come on. You understand what I'm saying? And and I and I and here and here's the thing. That's essentially the mindset that's being dealt with here. See, see, God's grace, it gets me out of jail. It gives me it gives me an excuse to do. What, what I want to do. And I, and I know most of, most of us know this, but, but it's worth being repeated right here. Grace is not given to give us a license to sin and live however we want. Come on, it, it's not. We know this. It's not to be used as a cloak of maliciousness, Paul would say. It's, it's not to be used as an occasion to the flesh. He would write to the churches in Galatians. Come on, friend, we we would understand that. It is given to us not to allow us to continue in sin, but rather set us free from sin. Come on, it's it's given to set us free from the dominion and the power of sin, its consequences, which is death and hell. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty glad for God's grace. Come on, it's, it's given to us, It's given to us to give us a new life in Jesus Christ. An abundant life and an eventual eternal life. And really that's exactly what Paul's going to bring up in the following verses. Look at what he says in verse number 16. He says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? What I would say to you is this, is that he poses another question, doesn't he? That he he's saying this, don't you know, in other words, hey, don't you realize, now, now watch this, that whoever you yield yourself to, okay, now, now watch this, he says, that's whose servant you become. And he says, and there's two, two areas where you can yield. It's either sin unto death, or it's obedience unto righteousness in Jesus Christ. You know, really, this goes back to verse number 13, and I want you to watch this, and I want you to stay with me. Please, please stay with me, because I'm going somewhere, and we're going to get to this here in just a minute. But really, this goes back to verse number 13 and the principle that we looked at the last time we were here. So I want to I just recall something. Look at verse number 11, okay? And here's what he says. He says, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so there's that word reckon there, reckon yourselves. In other words, take account that if you've been saved, that you are now to be dead unto sin. The old man is to be crucified unto Christ, right? And then he says in verse number 12, he says, let not sin therefore uh, reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. So he says, Take account of the fact that if you've been saved, your old man is dead and crucified with Christ. And then he says, Now don't let sin reign over your life and over uh, over your body. And so the question then becomes, Well, how do we do that? Because I don't know about you, but I don't want sin reigning over me. Well, here's what he says in verse 13. He says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments unto righteousness un, uh, of righteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Do you not understand what he's saying? He's saying this. He's saying, reckon yourselves uh, uh, dead. Your old man is dead. And then don't let sin reign over your mortal body. And here's how you do that. You yield yourself unto Jesus Christ. You know what that means? That means submit yourself to Him. You know what that means? Here's what it means. Here's how we would say it in our vernacular. We'd say this. Why don't you go all in? Come on, why don't you go all in? Why don't you go fully in and submit to Jesus Christ and let Him have your whole entire life? That's what he's saying. Huh. All right, and some might say this. Well, you know, I mean, I don't want to go all in. I mean, listen, this is this this is a little bit too radical for me. You know this. This whole, this whole thing has been radical this morning. Don't you understand how much turkey I ate? And you're up here hollering and sweating and spitting, and it's, it's the holiday, man. Chill. And this, this is... right. This is, look, 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 look. I, I, I don't... I'm not here to be a, a disciple. I, you know, I don't, I don't want to be in church every time the doors are open. I don't... Look, I, I don't want to be pressured here to separate from the world and and live under God and look 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 I I don't want to have God changing everything in my life I mean you're talking about being some kind of slave Amen. some kind of servant that's that's you know that that's that might work for you preacher but that's not that's not where I'm at But that's Paul's point. You're, you're a slave regardless. No, no, no. That, that's what he's saying. He either, either you're a slave to sin and it controls your life or you've submitted yourself to Jesus Christ and He controls your life. And both of them, both of them have consequences that come with them. Serving sin leads to death, and serving Christ leads to righteousness and holiness, our favorite words. But really, that's just this death to self. So that we can have abundant life in Him. Look, look, look at verse number eighteen. It's it's kind of verse number seventeen and eighteen. Cause see, under understanding, considering the consequences that that being a servant of sin it leads to death. Here's what he says: But God be thanked, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, and being then made free from sin you became the servants of righteousness. What he's saying is this, is that, listen, that past life that you were living that was in sin, it was leading to death. But thanks be to God who sent His Son to die for us. And you got saved. And and God began to transform your life. And now you don't have to serve sin, which leads to death now you can serve Jesus Christ. You can yield yourself to him, and it'll bring forth righteousness and holiness in your life and abundance of life. Okay. It's just it's what he's saying. Whew. I don't know about you, man, but that's pretty good. Because here, now wait, now wait a minute. See, now just I wanted to go through that because this is all. This is all the doctrine that he's dealing with. And if I could say it like this, this is what I, I would say to you is that why don't, we, why don't we take that little paragraph of Scripture and all of that, that, the, that doctrine and let's step back for a minute and let's, let's draw some, some biblical principles out of it if we, if we could. Okay? So here's, here's what I wrote down. Here, here for just, just from this, okay? And, and some of this has already been kind of alluded to. Here's what I would say. If you, look at, if you look at verse 16 and the questions that he poses, he says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So here's what I would say. Now watch this. Spiritually speaking, everyone is a slave. Everyone is a slave or a servant, like it says, you, you, whether you are lost or saved. Come on, that, that's... No, no, no. And I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm taking this wrong, because the word servant, it literally means slave. That's what it's talking about. And you are, watch this, and you are either one or the other. You, you're, either, you're either a servant to sin, or a servant... To Jesus Christ, there is no gray area. There, there, is, no, there is no, well, listen, preacher, I, I get that, but my situation's a little more complicated. Listen, we all want our situations to be special. It's not. It's not, friend. You either are or you're not. You're either one or, or the other, friend. It's not really that complicated. And this is what I thought about. See, we live in a culture today that is permeated with the idea that rebellion is it's cool and, and we should embrace that. But do you understand that man's idea that he is a rebel and nobody can tell me what to do, that's a fallacy. That's a utopia that doesn't exist because the reality is you will do what what your flesh wants you to do you will do what your flesh desires what what sin what addiction you have you're going to give in and you're going to follow that even paul will say in chapter 7 that which i want to do i don't do and that which i don't want to do i do you know why? Because in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. That's, right. That's the reality. Every one of us are servants. We're servants. If you're lost, you're a servant to your slave, to, to yourself, your flesh, and its desires. And it's, you're gonna do, you're doing what everybody else is doing. That's the reality. Everybody has green hair now. You know why? Because somebody started with green hair, because they wanted somebody's attention, and now it's everywhere. I was in the bathroom at the restaurant the other night, came out, there's a guy with green hair and a girl with green hair. And I thought, well, cool, at least they match. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's got piercings all over their face and everybody's got... Te- Do you know why? Because that's exactly what the culture's doing. Do you know why? L- listen, I'm telling you, you walked according to the course of this world. Seems like we heard something like that on Wednesday night in Ephesians chapter two. That's exactly what we're doing. You know why? Because everybody's a servant and a slave to their flesh and their desires. Is everybody catching this? But but here's, the, but here's the other thing. Here's the other principle to draw from this. See, Jesus Christ... Oh, come on. This is the good part. Jesus Christ came to set us free from the power of sin so that we could serve Him. That's what He says in verse 17. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed... Look at this. From the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Come on, I I think it needs to be made clear here that the form of doctrine that was delivered unto them was salvation by grace through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, you notice it says this, that they obeyed from the heart this doctrine. That means this, that they simply did what God said to do in order to be saved. And here's what God said to do. Repent and believe. Repentance toward God in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Please listen to this. It is not baptism that saves you, and it is not some church membership that saves you. It is not partaking of some communion that saves you. It is not talking to a priest in a confessional that saves you. It is not a confirmation, a confirmation from some other false religion that saves you. It is faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ that saved you. And by the way, I like this. It wasn't even some vain, repetitious thing that they did. It says this, that they obeyed it from the heart. That means the inner man, friend. That It was faith in Christ. It is as simple as Paul will lay it out in Romans. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's exactly how it works. God deals with you and shows you that you are a sinner and the Spirit of God convicts you. And when you humble yourself and submit yourself and come to Him by faith asking for forgiveness and salvation, He'll save you right where you're at. What a blessing. But the point is to say this. Please listen to this. If there's been a time and place where you've done that, where you've called upon the Lord in salvation, then here's what you need to understand. You now have a choice in who you serve. You now have a choice in it. You, you, can, you can still serve sin unto death, but praise God, you can serve Christ unto life. No, 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 no. L- listen, if there's not been a time or place, you don't have a choice. But you can. I said, you can. You can come to Jesus Christ right now and He'll save you right where you're at. We're going to have an invitation here in a little bit and you can respond and you can come right up here to the altar and say, preacher, I want to know how to be saved. And guess what? I'll take you right out of the Scriptures and show you what God said to do and how to be saved. I'm not going to give you the Baptist way, the Methodist way, or the, or the Catholic way. I'm going to give you the Bible way. I'm going to give you the Bible way. But but here's here's the thing. L- listen, here's the third thing, okay? So stay with me. Because here's the third thing. Once you are saved, you are called to fully yield and submit yourself to Jesus Christ in your life. Let me say that again. Once you are saved, you are called to fully yield and submit yourself to Jesus Christ. And anything less than that is taking the grace of God and using it as a license to sin. Did you get that? You're called... You you listen, you may not, you may be here this morning and going, listen, I, I don't want to go all in. I don't want to become radical in my faith and and be this servant of Jesus Christ. But you've got to understand something this morning. If you are saved, that's exactly what you are called to do. Come on, friend, that's exactly what you're called to do. You're called, you're called to go all in. You're called to be in church when the doors are open. You're called, you're, called to live, you're called to separate from the world and unto God. You're, you're called, to, you're, you're called to, to spend time in God's Word daily and, and to spend time and walk with God in prayer. You're called to do that. Look, I get it. I get it. We're living in a generation that wants to debate everything, including the things of God. But you've got to understand this. These are things that aren't up for debate. These are the things that Christ called us to do. These are the things that Christ said to do in His Word. These are the things that that the early churches did all throughout the Scripture. And I'm just telling you, friend, if you and I want to enjoy the abundant life that Jesus has, then we've got to get to this place where we stop trying to justify everything we're doing with the grace of God and just go all in. That's where we've got to get to. And I hate to yell at you like that, but, but you do need to wake up and get this. Amen. That's what God's called us to do. It's not up for debate. It's what God wants out of our life. Amen. <laughs> I love what Jesus said. Here's what, here's what Jesus said. In Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, He says this, and, and some of you will know these verses. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy-laden, and I will give you rest. And then he goes on and says, "Take my yoke upon you, and, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto yourselves." And then he says this, "For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light." Now do you understand what he's saying right there? It's actually parabolic in nature. It's an illustration. When, when, when they did farming back in those days, they had, they had a yoke of oxen. They had two oxen, and they had a board across the back of those two oxen. And then they had a rope around this oxen, and a rope around this oxen. And it was oftentimes that they had a, they had a larger oxen that was trained, and he was yoked together with a smaller oxen that was untrained. And so, where the bigger oxen went, the little oxen went along with it. But, but you understand, here, so here's here's the idea. Is everybody catching this? Even with what Paul is saying. Now watch this. Before you got saved, before you got saved, you were yoked up with the oxen of sin. Do you know what that means? That means wherever that sin and that flesh and that desire wanted you to go, in that world and the devil, here's what you did. You went right along with it. You were a servant unto it. But watch this, but here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, now listen, you can come unto Him and you can be saved. And watch this, please catch this. He gives you the power now, the power to step out of that yoke with that oxen of sin and to come over and to put His yoke on you. And then wherever He goes, That's why you go. That's why it's like my big dog and my little Jack Russell, man. And the big dog just goes and the little dog. <laughs> but that's, what that's exactly what That's what Paul is saying. What he's trying to get across is exactly what Jesus Christ is, is saying right there. And did you catch that? He said this. He said His yoke, his yoke is easy. And His yoke is light. I mean, it just kind of sounds like abundant life to me, doesn't it, to you? Amen. It just, I mean, I don't know, but it sounds pretty near good. Huh. Because here's, here, and here's, here's what I would say is the last thing that I would pull out of this. This is what I would say Whom you choose to yield yourself to. It has consequences that come with that In fact, I believe this that when you look at verse number nineteen of our text, I want you to notice, but really it goes from it goes from the principles really to now the personal application, and it's why Paul begins to what I would say is plea with them, and he says, "I speak after the manner." Of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, for as ye have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, he says, even so now. I mean, you can almost hear the passion, the compassion in his voice as he's saying, even so now, yield your members, servants to righteousness, unto holiness. And then he goes on and says, for when ye were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. You couldn't serve God in righteousness because you were a sinner. What fruit had you then in those things whereof? Look at what he says. He says, ye are now ashamed. This is the stuff in your past life that you are you were ashamed of at once. Why would you go back to that? It's stuff you were ashamed of. And he says, and he says, for the end of those things is death in fact in verse 23 he says for the wages of sin how you live the things you're that's death that's what you get that's the end result that's the consequences of sin but i like that he goes on and says but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord and even in verse number 22 he says but now being made free from sin and become servants to God. You have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Do you, do you, get, do you understand what he's saying? He is personally pleading with them and saying you've got to grab a hold of this. There are long-term consequences that come with going in the direction that you're going. Go away from that and live unto Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. And I listen you you can you can sit back this morning and 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 say things like well that's look, look that's 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 for you preacher but that's that that's not that's not what I want to do and i and I'm here to tell you that's fine that's that's you I can't make anybody do anything this morning no no don't get me wrong there are times where I like to put somebody in a headlock, but you can take a horse to water but you can't make them drink that's just the reality i can't I can't change anybody. The only thing I can do, friend, is give you the Word of God and do just like Paul and passionately plea and show you the consequences that come with the way you live. That's all I can do. If you, if you, you, Listen, if you're here this morning and there's never been a time and place where you called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, you can reject Jesus Christ this morning. You, you can reject Him and you can turn away from Him, but you need to listen to this there are consequences that come with that. Listen, your your body, okay, your body is going to go back to the dust of the earth from whence it was made, but you mark it down, your soul's going to spend eternity somewhere. And it's going to be in one of two places. Either it's going to be in heaven with Jesus Christ, or it's going to be in hell separated from God. And you're going to be in hell and you're going to be awaiting the judgment of God at the great white throne. Then you're going to be brought before God and judged of your sin. And then you're going to be cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. Now my friend, that is biblical truth right there. That's biblical truth. But what I've also learned is this, is that you, you can be saved this morning and still not be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And you also need to understand this, friend. And you need to catch this. The grace that you possess in your salvation, that was not given to you so that you could sit there in your pride and rebellion and reject the things of God and live the way you want to live. And there'd be zero consequences. It's not a, it's not a get out of jail... Free card, friend, not, not submitting yourself to, to follow the one that died for you, that died for you. Not submitting yourself to him, it will have consequences that come with it. You will not enjoy right fellowship with God, you will not enjoy the blessings of God, and you will endure the consequences of poor life choices because you refuse to follow Jesus Christ in your life. And I'm going to tell you something. I want you to listen to this. As a pastor that has been doing this for 15 years and more like about 25 years in the ministry, I can tell you this. The consequences of refusing to walk with God are very real. And they're very heartbreaking to watch. Is anybody getting this? Especially when you know how good it is when you actually just submit and follow Christ. I, I'm, I'm, I'm. Listen, listen, please listen to this, and I'm almost through. Please, please, listen to this. I am, I am tired. I am tired of seeing young people refuse to follow Jesus Christ in their life. And I'm talking about young people that grow up in, in our churches and they refuse to submit themselves to Jesus Christ. And the next thing you know, they start getting old enough to make decisions about relationships in their life, and they chase after their flesh, and they get into the wrong relationship. And the next thing you know, they marry some wicked individual in about six months to a year or two or three down the road, and it all goes to, to, to a mess, and there's divorce and tragedy and heartache. And you sit there with a blank look on your face like that never happens. Wake up and look around. It happens a lot. And you know why? It's because we refuse to submit ourselves and yield to Jesus Christ. Don't look at me like, well, you know, God doesn't have the answer to everything. Yeah, He does. We're just not willing to follow it. And I listen, and I, am, I am tired of seeing young married couples trying to live for this world And the next thing you know, their marriage and their family is falling apart because they have been living for money and material things. And now all of a sudden they're realizing that it doesn't bring them the happiness and the satisfaction that they thought it would. Why don't you go ahead and yield unto Jesus Christ? i am telling you the greatest decision my wife and I ever made was when we sat down and said money ain't everything and we put God first in our life. I'm tired of seeing young Christians refuse to surrender and follow Jesus Christ. And then temptation comes along and tries them. And they end up quitting and and getting out of church and away from God. I'm tired of seeing older Christians getting complacent. And apathetic in the things of God. And the next thing you know, they start raising children that are carnal and worldly and they want nothing to do with God. And then the next thing you know, the whole family's out of church. You know what? Let me me help you with this. The best thing that my kids could ever see in their mind is that we walk with God, that we're in the house of God, that we respond to God's word. You sit back there and dry up in the house of God and never come to an old fashioned altar. And yet you wonder why your kids are so worldly and wicked. And I could go on and on and on. But the point is this. When we hold back from fully submitting ourselves to following Jesus Christ, there are long-term consequences that come with it. Right. Death. And it may be preacher, You know, I'm saved and I can't leave. I can't tell you this. It may not be death. I listen. I, I said this in the last message, but I'm telling you. Never more have I heard God's people saying, I, "I must be dead to God. God's forsaken me, and God doesn't care about me, and I don't hear from God anymore." And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, "That is a bunch of baloney." Right. God promised to never leave us nor forsake us. Friend, it's not God that's left you; it's you that's left God. Right. And he's sitting in, and he's like, "You're sitting there and thinking, well, you know, the ball's in God's court, and I'm just waiting on him." The ball's not in God's court; the ball's in your court. God's sitting back and waiting for you to recognize that it ain't Him that's left you. It's you that's left Him. And you need to humble yourself and come back to God. Just go all in. And God will say, I'm going all in too. In fact, He's already all in. He's just waiting on you. I had high blood pressure. I think I got some this morning too. I'm telling you, it really bothers you when you can't eat Andy's frozen custard. Do you, do you know this? I, I'm not on blood pressure medicine anymore. I'm not on it. My mentality is this, and maybe different than yours, but maybe you need to adopt it. There's, it's it's okay to you know to discipline yourself, make some changes in your life, choices, instead of taking a pill to fix everything. That's the way I felt about it. I went in and told my doctor, I said, you can put me on this blood pressure medicine and I'll do it for a little while. I said, but I ain't going to stay on it. And he looked at me like, go ahead, big shot. I've seen a lot of people come in and do that and say that, but they didn't get off of it. And then he goes, well, you know, it could be hereditary. And I said, it ain't hereditary. I'm getting off of it. And I got on a diet. And I stayed away from Andy's for a little while. For a little while. And I started doing P90X. I mean, just crazy stuff. Man, that guy's like, that guy's nuts. Somebody said, it's like doing what the Navy SEALs do. I said, I don't know. I went from doing nothing to doing that, and I'm about to die. But I went all the way through it. I went all the way through it. I started doing it the second time around. And when I started doing it the second time around, I was driving home from church on a Wednesday night, and I started falling asleep at the wheel. I only had like a five-minute drive. You know what happened? I was still on that blood pressure medicine, but my blood pressure had come back down to normal, and I was taking that blood pressure medicine, and it was dropping me too low. And I got off of it. I got, quit taking it altogether. And now I just go into Walgreens every now and then, stick my arm in there, and it checks my blood pressure. And I go, I'm all right. But if you'd have taken it about 10 minutes ago, it wouldn't have been good. A lot of stress in the ministry. I said, what, are you, what are you saying, preacher? Well, here's what I'm saying. I started looking at some long-term things and realizing that the decisions that I was making right now was going to impact that. And so I made some changes. I made some choices. I made some choices. I'm sure thankful that I did. You know what Paul's saying? He's saying spiritually speaking, why don't you look down the road at where you're headed? Why don't you look down the road at where you're headed? And you know what? Why don't you you go ahead... And make some changes in the habits and the choices that you're making in your life right now. Why don't you, listen, why don't you let God go ahead and invade your life? Amen. Why don't you let Him go ahead and change the music you listen to and the words you say and the places you go and the things that you do and the clothes that you wear let him go ahead and change all that. Let, let him go ahead and have his will for your life. Because I'll promise you this. You'll get 10, 10 years down the road and you'll look back and go, Whew, I'm sure glad I went all in. Yeah. I've tell, you, listen, I, I got saved at the age of 20. I'm 47 now, and I look back 27 years and I go, whoo. I'm sure glad I went all in. I moved from the panhandle of Florida to Kansas. But I'm still glad to be in God's will for my life. Amen. No better place to be. Who are you living unto? Are you still following that old flesh and that sin? Have you been saved? You need to be saved, but if you've been saved, the one that saves you commands that you follow Him. But you won't regret it. Not one iota, you won't regret it. Let's all stand this morning.